Hello, homemakers, and welcome to season 11 of the Art of Home podcast, where we are exploring how homemakers cultivate a place to belong. I'm your host, Allison Weeks. I'm a wife, a mom to four grown kids, a granny to one baby boy who has been delighting our family for a couple of months now, and I have been practicing the art of home for over 30 years. First of all, let me say I have a little bit of work being done at my house and I've got dump trucks and earth movers in my backyard and I'm currently in my closet. So if you hear some noise, that's what's going on back there because I need to get this recorded today. All right. So after a lovely extended time of rest, I am ready to get the ball rolling on another year of sharing stories of home. God willing, we will journey together through 2023 with our arms linked, standing on our common love of Jesus, and our commitment to serving Him through the art of homemaking. Whether you're a longtime listener or this is your first episode, I just want to say welcome and thank you. Thank you for trusting me with a little bit of your time today. For the new folks, as well as a reminder to our regular listeners, we do a couple of different types of episodes here on the art of home. The backbone of our content is our homemaker portraits, and in these episodes, I interview women of all ages and stages about their experience of keeping a home. Once or twice in a season, we will air a homemaking deep dive episode in which a guest or two and I will discuss a particular homemaking topic in depth. In the past, we've dived into organization, sewing, special needs, and words in the home. In 2023, we will, of course, be bringing you lots of homemaker portraits, as well as some deep dives into several topics, including design, marital intimacy, and today's topic, wellness for the homemaker. This project, The Art of Home, is all about encouraging and equipping homemakers to confidently, faithfully, and joyfully do the work that God has called them to in their homes. Besides the weekly podcast, we have a weekly newsletter. We have companion worksheets for some of our deep dives and a full audio version of J.R. Miller's classic work, Homemaking, along with a study guide. And I will be working on some new resources coming out later this year to further equip you on your homemaking journey. Be sure to check the links in the notes for access to all of these free resources. Now, on to today's episode. I am chatting with Leslie Licato, who was featured last year in a homemaker portrait. Leslie is a seminary graduate. She has a passion for helping women confidently study God's word and joyfully live out truth in everyday moments. She's a mom of three sweet little girls, so she is very busy as an in-the-trenches homemaker. We reference her previous Instagram handle, Simply Sweet Wellness, in this interview, but since we recorded it, she's changed her name or she's changed her handle to her name, Leslie Licato. So you can connect with her on Instagram at Leslie Licato, and we will link that down in the notes. But we kick off this episode explaining why I chose Leslie as my discussion partner for this topic, and then we spend the first half defining what wellness is according to the Bible and then what the world is going to tell you wellness is. We tackle diet culture. We talk about self-care and how all of these things impact our homemaking. Then we spend the second half of unpacking how these wellness worldviews play out in three areas, food, movement, and rest, and what it means to our daily experience in the home. 
we created a free companion resource for this deep dive into wellness. It's a daily habit tracker, and it's going to help you implement some of the suggestions that you will hear in this episode about loving God with your whole being in the areas of food, movement, and rest. Just click the link below in the show notes or go to theartofhomepodcast.com slash wellness to get your free copy. One final word before we get into this episode. Leslie and I are not medical professionals. And as always, the content presented here is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. We leave it up to you, the listener, to determine with the help of your medical provider what is best for you and your family. We are not advocating for or arguing against any particular diet, exercise regimen, or approach to healthcare. Again, that is between you and God and your chosen healthcare provider. Now, I'm going to be back at the end of this discussion with a few closing thoughts to kind of uh, summarize for you and give you some top takeaways and some reminders. I also um, have a few words to tell you about how I am interacting with and using Instagram in 2023. Spoiler, I'm going to be dialing it back a little bit. But if you want to hear why, um, stick around to the end. And if you've listened to some of the later episodes from 2022, you might have noticed that I occasionally add a blooper reel at the end. So you never know. It might be worth it to stick around to the very end if you need a chuckle today. Whatever you are applying your hands to while you listen to the podcast today, I pray that this discussion will leave you encouraged and equipped to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and body. Welcome, listeners. It is January of 2023. It's not actually. It's October. (laughs) Of 2022. (laughs) But when you hear this, it will be January and your Instagram feed is going to be full of all of the wellness tips and the whole 30 challenges and all of the things to make you feel like you need to get your act together uh, as far as wellness goes. So I thought this would be a great time to talk about that as a deep dive episode. And I've invited back Leslie Licato, who was on the show um, last year in 2022, and we did a homemaker portrait on her. And Leslie has a passion for wellness. And so we are going to talk all about the things about wellness, about human flourishing according to what God says that looks like and what his design is for our bodies and for treating our bodies well. And we have a lot of ground to cover. So I'm going to hand it over to you, Leslie, and just let you introduce yourself. Give us a little bit of your history, your credentials. Why am I talking to you about this topic? (laughs) Well, I'm so excited to be back. Um, This is such a fun conversation for me to have. Um, So I, to like totally rewind, I graduated from college and immediately I got a job in vocational ministry. So ministry, teaching God's word has always been just a passion of mine. Um, I worked in girls ministry, specifically with sixth through 12th grade and college girls. Mm -hmm. And so I saw a lot of just this wrestling and this struggle of body image um, during that season, I went to seminary. So I went to Dallas Theological, and I got my master's in biblical and theological studies. Um, So that's kind of when I first started to see just really my passion for biblical truth and the scripture kind of start. Um, But during that same time, within my first few years of marriage, I began to really struggle with health in my personal life. So I was in and out of the hospital 
lots of doctor's appointments, lots of frustrations, a lot of trial and error. It was a very um, trying season within my marriage and personally and, and just kind of figuring out what was going on. Ultimately, I was diagnosed with celiac, which is an autoimmune, um, and it took that diagnosis plus multiple years following of me to figure out how to physically heal my body and what that looked like. It was a very negative thing in my life at first, um, but then over time, I really began to see how what I ate and how I fueled my body and how I took care of myself physically, mm-hmm. how that made a big difference and how it matters. Um And so I kind of saw firsthand that how I took care of my body mattered and God had given me this stewardship over my body and I had a responsibility to fuel it well if I wanted to show up where he had me. Okay. Wow. So that was a long journey. Um, And then you sort of landed in this place where you were writing. Okay. So I know you had a blog, Mm -hmm. right? And your blog was, were you writing about mostly spiritual and, you know, spiritual development, the word and study, or were you writing about wellness on the blog? So it started specifically as wellness. Okay. Um, A lot of health and wellness, deep dive, practical tips, how Mm -hmm. to, um, and then it has kind of morphed more into um, proclaiming truth over our everyday lives and using God's truth to... Mm. um, really see where he has us and to proclaim his truth in a world that is constantly feeding us lies. And so because of my story, a lot of that still has to do with wellness and how to care for our bodies and and live in a healthy way, Yeah, but it's not limited to just that. Okay. And so it's kind of developed into a business for you. Mm-hmm. So let's talk, just tell us a little bit about that. Yeah. So right now it is it is currently... Um, a lot online of just helping others learn how to proclaim truth over their lives and walking through these everyday live moments that we have just in this very mundane mm-hmm. um, days that the Lord has called us to. And I think that's where most of our life is lived, right? right. The, the high moments are fun and exciting. Um, and obviously, we all walk through trauma and grief and different things, but the majority of our life is lived in this mundane. But the world tells us that that's not enough. Mm. Um, and I don't think we know how to properly care for ourselves physically and spiritually in these everyday moments. And so my business is kind of centered around um, sharing that on social media. I have the opportunity to speak, which is a lot of fun, um, and doing some podcasts like this. And then I'm also currently working on my own writing project that hopefully around the time this episode is released will be close to being finished. Yay. That is very exciting. Okay. So um, in the name of your businesses, tell us. Simply Sweet Wellness. Okay. And are you open for speaking engagements and things like that? Okay. Yeah. All right. So we will make sure that we link all your info um, on our notes and on the website so that people can get in touch with you. And um, so what would you say is your your biggest passion for your business, for what you're trying to accomplish? Yeah. So my passion is that for people to understand that God's Word changes everything. Mm-hmm. And that proclaiming his truth over our life is truly the only way that we can find our fulfillment and our joy and our satisfaction in this world that we live in. Okay. I love that. All right. So to start our discussion, I want to give a definition. So let's define what wellness is. Because if you ask 
you know, 10 people how to define the word wellness, you probably probably would get 10 different definitions, particularly depending upon what your worldview is. Um, So why don't you give us sort of a biblical definition of wellness, and then we can talk a little bit about some of the messages we get from the world. Yeah. So biblically, we have a responsibility and a stewardship to take care of our bodies. Mm -hmm. Um, We have given been given this ownership and it is it's a stewardship. So the scripture I kind of fall back onto and is my heart and my motivation in a lot of what I share is when Jesus says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and body. And he has given us a very clear picture of these four pieces of who we are to steward well. And we're responsible for all of them. And so it's not just taking care of our physical bodies. It's not just our heart and our minds, um, but it is, it's our soul and it's our relationship with him. But then our heart kind of falls into relationship with others and what we fill our heart with matters. And, um, and then our mind is a, a really big one as well. And what we consume and what we allow to sit on our mind and what we think about, um, all of that plays into our overall health and wellness. And if one of them is out of line, then we as an entire body cannot function mm-hmm. properly. Um, <clears throat> and so that's going to be different for different people. Yeah. And I think that's important. Um, some people struggle more with physical wellness. Some people struggle more with mental, with mental health. And, um, but I don't think you can focus just on one and leave out the other sides, but you kind of have to discern between you and the Lord what is in different seasons. Absolutely. Um, more your focus. Absolutely. And I like that you're pointing out that it's going to look different for every person and it's going to look different for your seasons. We right. talk about seasons a lot on the show and how we have to be flexible um, with the way that we set up our rhythms and the way we have our expectations set. Because what I have for my rhythms and expectations when my kids were very young and at home is completely different from what it is right now right. in the empty nest life. Um, and it's the same for health, you know? Mm-hmm what I had for my rhythms and expectations and what my body could accomplish when I was 25 mm-hmm. is very different from what I can accomplish at 49, right. you know, and I have different needs now. So um, it's just very important to always keep that in mind that we can't just say, we're going to solve this today and here's your formula mm-hmm. and it's one and done and you can just do this for the rest of your life. Right. <laughs> that's not the way that it works. <laughs> but that's what culture tells us should exactly. work. So then when you're looking at what the worldly perspective of wellness is and you look on social media, they're telling you, here's your 30-day plan. Here's your format for what healthy should look like. Or here's how you can get your body to looking this way in 21 days. And, mm-hmm. and that's not realistic. Because that doesn't apply to your specific season. That doesn't talk to the new mom. That doesn't talk to the empty nester. That doesn't talk to the person who's struggling with mental health and is just trying to get out of bed for the day. You right. know, and so or who has a diagnosis. Or who has an autoimmune you know, such as it, right. me. And that's a lot of what I wrestled through is well, why are these things that everybody's working for everybody else? Why isn't that working for me? Mm-hmm. Um and ultimately, you know, the world and culture and social media says that a good definition of wellness is how you look and how much weight you've lost or what you look like in the gym or um, how your kids are. Like if you are a good parent and Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um, if you're able to show up and check all these things off the list or... um, And we know, we know just a cursory reading of the Bible will tell you that God is 
not just concerned, not primarily concerned with outward appearances. Right. You know, he looks at our hearts and, you know, Jesus had some pretty strong words for the religious elite who looked great on the outside, Mm -hmm. religiously speaking. They kept all the rules and they lived these righteous lives outwardly, but inwardly he said they were like, they were like whitewashed tombs, beautiful on the outside and filled with decay on the inside. And that's not what we want. That's not what we're trying to accomplish. Right. And that's such a good point. And I think the struggle there too is that as believers and as Christians who are trying to honor the Lord with our bodies, that it almost goes the other way too. We feel a lot of shame Mm -hmm. for wanting to lose weight right? or wanting to meet some goals in the gym or wanting to just set goals and meet them in general. And that's not a bad thing. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing to want to lose the baby weight or to want to look a certain way or um, reach whatever physical goals you're trying to reach, but it's not the best thing. And I think often we confuse that, that it has to be one or the other, but it doesn't. We just have to understand where our worship lies and ultimately at the end of the day, is that an idol? And am I am I idolizing that or am I just allowing it to be a goal that doesn't define my worth and who I am? Mm. That's a really good point. Um, I'm trying to decide if we should camp out here for a minute because when we talk about idolatry, oh gosh, I have a lot to say about that because Mm. it can go a lot of different ways on this topic. Right. We can really struggle with the shame aspect, like you said. Well, I'm I'm trying to follow Jesus and be obedient and not care about so much on the outside and be more concerned with inner sanctification and all Mm -hmm. of that. But I want to be healthy. Um, I don't want to be... Okay, so for example, my health goals right now at 49 have a lot to do with um, what's what are, what are the next 20 years going to look like for me? Am I going to decay and continue and you know be on 18 different medications and be a burden to family members? Mm-hmm. I don't want that. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to be able to, in strength, be able to continue to serve the Lord if He gives me another 20 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's a bad thing. You right. know, I yeah. have to I have to guard against getting involved with, you know, obsessing about it, but it's not a, an unhealthy goal. But I think so we we have to balance that, but not get too involved in all of the details of it and letting it become an idol. So sometimes what I see is, okay, if I'm not making this choice, this choice, this choice, the good, and I'm using quotes here, the good choices for health, if I'm not, you know, eating all the organics foods and the non-GMOs mm-hmm. and, you know, fill in the blank for whatever the popular thing is right now to be eating that's considered clean mm-hmm. or healthy, um, then I must not be doing it right or I'm not, you know, I can't afford that maybe. And so then I'm not doing it the right way. And that's also shameful. And Or if we can and we do follow all those rules, then we become very proud about that. Right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's this whole it's a hard big balance. mess. Yeah. Like how do we navigate that? Yeah, and there's no one size fits all and that's what I talk a lot about to people is there's no one size fits all. So I wish I could sit here and say here's what you need to do and, and this is the only way to do it, but ultimately that's what we're trying to avoid. Um I think it's a hard posture. And I think ultimately the most mm. important thing we can do is um, abide in Christ and and know without a doubt that we are walking in step with Him. Yeah. Um, and and trust and ask for wisdom. 
that he is going to bring clarity on what that should look like in our own lives. Um, because for somebody like me with an autoimmune, my goals look different than somebody who um, who doesn't have that or right. somebody who's trying to lose baby weight or somebody who's just wanting to lose weight in general or somebody who's wanting to prolong their life or who has another chronic condition. It just looks different. Yeah. Um, I think there are some obvious things that can be avoided. Right. I think the 14, 21, 30-day fixes, um, that is not instilling healthy long-term habits. And so I think ultimately the goal is um, to be realistic about your season of life <clears throat> and to do things that that instill habits for the long-term mm-hmm. um, because this isn't a a one month fix. Yeah. You're wanting to you're wanting to create a lifestyle that is creating the healthiest version of yourself so that you can honor the Lord in your season. Yeah. That's not going to happen in 30 days. Um so it's small steps, realistic habits and and just knowing where your heart lies in it and knowing that your worth is not defined on the choices that you make or the goal that you didn't reach or the goal that you did reach. Um, there's wins that are worth celebrating, but it doesn't define who you are. Yeah. I think that is an excellent point about it's the small steps, it's the daily faithfulness, and it's that this is a long-term thing. And it's it's very parallel to our sanctification. I think it's part of our sanctification, mm-hmm. personally, yeah. <laughs> because we're learning self-control, we're learning... Um, self-denial in some respect. Right. We're learning all sorts of things about thinking about others. Just there's lots of lessons in these it's in the decision and the discussion we're having right here about physical health and how we fuel our body and, and exercise and all that kind of stuff. It is part of the sanctification process and we know that sanctification is a lifelong process. Right. We 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 never fully arrive um in becoming holy until we, you know, go to heaven. Yeah. Um I think it was Eugene Peterson that called it faithful plotting. Hmm. The walk of of a believer just it's faithful plotting. Yeah. A lot of it is just getting up and making those same right choices to do the next right thing yes. every single day. Yeah. Um which it can be very monotonous. Like you said at the beginning, it's it's those mundane moments mm-hmm. where are we going to prove our faithfulness in those little things? Right. Um and that's really what pleases God's heart. Right. And so it's the, it's the conversation of health and wellness and stewarding our bodies, but those exact same principles and conversation carries over into our walk with the Lord. Yeah. It's showing up every day. It's making small small habits, um, making the hard, sanctifying decisions when maybe it doesn't feel like the right thing and, and surrendering our days to Him. And so it they all kind of tie in and carry together. Mm-hmm. Um, and ultimately, it just reminds us that it's not about us. Okay, so that's a great segue to. <laughs> um, I want to touch for a minute because we were we were giving sort of a biblical definition of wellness and a worldly definition, and a lot of what the world has to say about wellness is wrapped up in the phrase self care. Yes. So let's talk about that. I have a lot to say about that. Okay. <laughs> Um, self-care is a very dangerous thing in our culture right now. Um, it is also a very taboo topic that I think can sometimes offend people a little bit, but I, I struggle with self-care because it's not about us. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's not about me and my comfort and my desires and I want, um, and the self-care message screams that it's about how you feel and how you, 
um, can better yourself and how what you deserve, mm-hmm. and that is very much opposite of I I think the heart posture that we should have. Yeah. Um, and I say that with a disclaimer to say that we also are not meant to have this posture and this mindset of how do I say it. Um, of, of a martyr syndrome, oh, you know, yeah. like I'm yeah, not, yeah, yeah. I'm not saying that just because I'm a believer and I'm a mom of three young kids that I am meant to never take care of myself and drudge to the end. Right. Right. Like the, it almost seems like, well, if you don't believe in self care, then that's the mindset that you're supposed to have. And that's not true either. Mm-hmm. Um, but self care and this culture screams that I am not satisfied until I can sit in the bathtub by myself with a glass of wine. Mm-hmm. And that's not going to satisfy no. Like that's gonna it's gonna feel good and yeah. it may be relaxing, but our ultimate satisfaction comes from Jesus mm-hmm. and the work that He has already done on the cross, and that is the only place that we're gonna find true satisfaction. Um, and so it's okay to want to do those things. It's okay to want to have a girls' night. It's okay to want to um, treat yourself. It's, yeah. You know the big phrase. Yeah. You can treat yourself. You deserve it. It's okay to do that, but ultimately, we don't deserve it because we don't deserve anything that that we have right now. Because it is all because of His saving grace and His work on the cross that we that we can even step forward and take a breath for the next day. Right. Um, and again, as with anything, it's it's a heart posture, and it's not to shame people who who have a girls' weekend away or who have time to do those things or um, who enjoy a glass of wine here and there as a relief from stressful days. But when those things start becoming um, our only joy and our only satisfaction, or when we start telling people that is how you're going to find your satisfaction, that's when we get into dangerous ground. Mm-hmm. Um, because the flip side is I have been in seasons where that's not an option for me. My husband right. is working or my kids have been really sick or um, we live in a city without family. Like I can't just go do what I want when I want. So then I begin to feel um, the pressure from that of like, oh, well, I'm obviously not doing something right if I can't somehow fit that in to make myself happy. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and the Lord has been so gracious to remind me like those aren't going to make me happy. They're... They're sweet reminders of the goodness in this life and the blessings that we can enjoy. But ultimately, if I have to go one, two, three, six months without any of that, like I can still have the same joy and the same satisfaction as if I built it into my calendar weekly. Mm-hmm. And and so again, it's okay to enjoy them, but they can't be our our source of joy. Yeah. Yeah. And self-care does not equate to wellness. Right. And so I think going back to the worldly perspective of of self-care, I think that message is tied together sure. that you are pursuing correct wellness, essentially, mm-hmm. by adding self-care into your mm-hmm. everyday, if not daily, weekly life. Yeah. Something and, that I hear misquoted. Well, okay, I don't know if misquoted is the right word, but... This is this verse is often linked to this discussion that we're having right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's where it's part of the same thing you just quoted. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Mm-hmm. And love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. And then what I hear is, did you hear that? God told me I need to love myself. No, actually, he didn't tell you that. Mm-hmm. What he said was, 
Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. He knows we love ourselves. Mm. We love, as Dave says, I love me some me. (laughs) I mean, left to my own devices, I'm all about me and self-love. And I don't need to be reminded or or commanded to do that. He Mm. already knows I'm going to do that. (laughs) What he's telling me to do is to love my neighbor as much as, and actually other scriptures more than, will tell me more than, um, I love myself. Like, yeah. treat them as I want to be treated, mm-hmm. um, as I would have them treat me. And so what the world does is kind of twists that message and says, you need to love yourself. And whether that's in the form of, you know, daily bubble baths with a glass of wine or escaping to Target um, and spending money you don't have, <laughs> right. or whatever it is, fill in the blank. And it can often be linked to wellness and saying, well, you have to love yourself you have to care for your body because you love yourself. Mm-hmm. And I say, well, we want to care for these bodies because these bodies are a gift from a good God. They are the image mm-hmm. of God. We are made in His image. And so we are meant to reflect that to the world, yeah. to a lost and dying world. And we can't do that well if we're bedridden because we're not caring for our bodies or you know wh- whatever it is. Right. Um, that is, I don't know. Do you see the distinction that I'm trying to make there? I do. And and I'm just sitting here thinking, it's just such a hard conversation to have because, again, like we said at the beginning of the conversation, this looks different for everybody. Yeah. And, and I can't sit here and say, you can do this, you can't do this. This mm-hmm. is not wellness in a biblical perspective. This is construed wellness from the culture. Um because I think we have to use our discernment. Yeah. Because I also believe that we are, just like you said, we are called to take care of our bodies and to love ourselves as and to love our neighbors and and to care for that in a a God honoring way. And I think each of us needs the discernment and needs to know what does that look like. Mm-hmm. For me, like I know for sure I am an introvert. I have three young kids. There's a lot going on. I have to have time during the day when yeah. I am not needed. Mm-hmm. And I have to figure out how to make that happen. Um, are there days that it doesn't happen and I have to fully rely on the Lord's strength within my weakness? Yes, it yeah. does. Um, but ultimately, it's it's not a bad thing to take care of yourself. Yeah. And and I think that's what you're saying. It's not a bad thing to do it. It comes very naturally. So we know what we want. We know mm-hmm. what's going to satisfy us. And I don't think I can say that enough. Like, it's not a bad thing. That's what wellness is. And God calls us to do that. Um, it becomes a bad thing when we cannot be satisfied in our life unless we get it. And unless and it looks a way that the world says that it should look. Right. Um, and the self-care conversation is often tied into the mental health conversation mm-hmm. and and just wellness in general. And <clears throat> and so I think that's where we have to really discern the scripture that you were just talking about in our own hearts and in our why behind caring for ourselves and what does that look like again mm-hmm. in this specific season? What's mm-hmm. realistic for my own life? Am I doing it because um, this is a moment that the Lord has called me to draw near to Him, mm-hmm. or am I doing it because culture tells me I should, and this is the only way I'm going to be able to be nice to my kids? Right. Um, and and again, it's your own discernment and your own heart posture. Right. So we've talked a lot about you know a lot of the why, but why are we talking about why is it important to talk about this here, um, and why does it? matter for homemakers? Like, what does it have to do with our homes and our home life and our family? So we're going to, we're going to listen to the loudest voice that we hear, Mm -hmm. but we have to choose what that voice is. 
Yeah. So culture is going to tell us that homemaking and motherhood and taking care of yourself um, or not taking care of yourself, the giving of yourself yeah. is not as important as what you need. Mm-hmm. And so if that's the message that I'm listening to, then I'm going to believe it. I'm going to believe that, well, you're right, like being present with my kids and being home all day and pouring into them, um, that's not the most important thing. So then I'm going to start filling my time with other things that are most important when ultimately I know what God has called me to within my home. Maybe He hasn't called everybody else to that, and I can't expect that, but He's called me to it. So I need to align what I listen to with where the Lord has called me. regardless of where the Lord has called me versus the next person, if we are believers, then the voice that we need to be listening to is is God's voice. Mm-hmm. And if we are not choosing for that to be <clears throat> the loudest voice that we hear amongst the noise of culture, then it's not going to be the one that is telling me how to spend my time and telling me how to care for my body and telling me how to steward the gifts within my life and in with my home. Yeah. In yeah. this season. Yeah. So what are what are some direct impacts um that wellness has on your homemaking? For me personally, uh direct impacts is how I approach wellness directly impacts how I feel physically and mentally. Right. Um <clears throat> I I cannot eat certain foods. Like I just I will my body will not function if yeah. I eat a, a long list of foods. Um, and so I know that I have to keep those out. So directly, it directly impacts that because then it impacts how I physically feel, mentally feel, and how I show up mm-hmm. for my family. Mm-hmm. Um, but then it also impacts my role that the Lord has given me as a mom yeah, because it it, I have this opportunity and a stewardship to teach my girls how to take care of their body and how to have healthy conversations about our body and how to um, discern the voice of the Lord versus the voice of culture and how that affects our bodies. And I have three girls. And so I know that is going to be a, a lifelong struggle. And I'm praying and hoping that the conversations we have now are ones that affect them long term. Yeah, for sure. That is, um, yeah, three girls. Wow. I mean, okay, so to be fair, men struggle with body image too. Right. They absolutely do. Um, We are women, and so we're coming at it from the perspective of women. Exactly. Um, And that's what we're speaking to right now. But all of us, whether we have girl children or boy children, we know that it's part of our responsibility as parents to um, train them in all kinds of ways. And part of the training involves food yeah, and movement and, mm-hmm. and stewarding our bodies. And a lot of that for the homemaker, it's directly in line with your daily responsibilities. I mean, you're the one that's planning the meals. You're the one that's buying the groceries. Right. You're the ones, you know, when they're at home, you're making decisions about what kind of activities are going to fill your days and all those kinds of things. So this affects a lot Mm-hmm. Um, of our lives as homemakers. And it's an important thing that we really need to think about and spend some time contemplating. And so that's really why we thought it would be a good conversation to have. So, all right. So now let's move into a little bit more of the practical side. I feel like we've really fleshed out the spiritual and the we've defined some things, said what we're what it is and what it's not. Let's talk about, I want to talk about three areas. Okay. I want to talk about food and I want to talk about movement 
And then I want to end our discussion talking about rest. Perfect. Okay. So food. What would you say is the most important thing to remember about food with wellness? So I, a phrase that I am constantly telling myself and encouraging other people with is nourishment over restriction. Okay. What does that mean? So culture tells us social media, all of the diet, eating plans, all of the things says that we have to restrict to reach our goals. So you have to stop eating. You have to eat less of what you love. Just in some regards, restrict Mm -hmm. is the constant constant, constant message. Um, but our bodies need nourishment. Yeah. And we need to nourish our bodies and right. we need to nourish our souls. Like that goes for, yeah. you know, that goes for a lot of things. Um, and I, I think that is a good, it's a good reminder for me, even being somebody who is pretty knowledgeable and passionate in a health and wellness world, but it is a really, really good starting place for somebody who's feeling overwhelmed. Mm. Because there are so many options. And like we said at the beginning of this conversation, wanting to lose weight is not bad. Or or putting yourself in a position to make healthier choices or to reach a goal is not bad. Um, but what's the right fit for you? Mm-hmm. What does that look like? I mean, you can... <clears throat> You can you can Google or hop on Instagram or walk into a bookstore and find any plan that you want to find um, of of cutting out certain foods or tracking or counting or or whatever it may look like. Um, and so it feels very overwhelming. Yeah, like how, where do you start? What do you do? And I think ultimately the the decision that you have to constantly weigh back in your in your mind is: Am I nourishing my body? Am mm-hmm. I taking care of it? If you want to choose a, a plan, if you want to count macros, if you want to cut out a certain thing or stuff like that, and that feels right for you and your body, yeah. that's fine. But you constantly need to be asking yourself, am I still nourishing my body? Am I am I taking care of it? Am I fueling it to where I feel my best and not just trying to reach a goal? Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but then it's also a good place for you to go if you're not trying to reach a goal and you're just kind of trying to figure out how do I take care of my body in a world that's constantly telling me to not eat this or not eat that or this is bad or yeah. only organic or whatever it might be, um, nourish it. Fuel it with foods that are given to us from the Lord. Mm-hmm. Um, healthy, fresh, grown foods are never a bad place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, protein is necessary. It is vital. Um, you know, and don't be afraid of carbs, but mm. that's a, Amen. that is a personal, <laughs> a personal opinion. <laughs> um, but they, they will fuel and nourish your body, especially as females. Yes. Um, and, and so don't be afraid of it. And so when you have this mindset of nourishment over restriction, you have to learn through trial and error, what works for your body. Um, you're saying, um, to fuel your body in a way that works for you, but with so many different messages out there in the world, um, and even coming from the medical field and all of that, how, where do we even begin? Like, how do we know what's going to be right for our bodies? Yeah, so that's a really hard conversation to have, only because we are all of our bodies are different. Mm-hmm. And there are so many different opinions and messages on what works and what doesn't. Um, ultimately, where do you start? Like, what? How do you even begin? Um, and I think the best, a few places to start are talking to trusted people around you 
who maybe have the same mindset or who have healthy habits, who do they who do they look to? Who do they go to? If there is deeper medical concerns, find a physician that you trust who is looking at the whole picture. Mm-hmm. I personally recommend um, more of a holistic-minded approach when it comes to this conversation because um, food can can heal and and fuel so many different aspects of our bodies. Medicine is not bad, um, but I think it's important to take the approach of of food first and then adding in the necessary medicines if there's a medical reason that you're wanting to change. Now, if you're just wanting to create healthier habits or reach some goals, um, you know, a few, a few places to start are, again, reaching out to somebody who you know personally who has healthy habits or who is kind of in that world and who can help kind of walk you in the right direction to start. I still have that conversation on social media. So I love when people reach out and have that conversation and kind of send them in a correct direction. There are nutritionists and dietitians who um, are willing to help you look at the whole picture. Um, I think with any of this conversation, you have to understand that ultimately you know your body. Mm -hmm. So if somebody tells you something that's not working or that you're not comfortable with, that doesn't mean it's the right answer. Right. Um, And at the end of the day, the best method, the longest method, but the best that is going to set you up for long-term lifestyle changes is trial and error. Mm -hmm. Um, And that takes time because you can't go three days without eating something and see how it's going to affect your body. Right. Um, But putting in the effort of really paying attention to how do I feel mm-hmm. after I just ate this or mm-hmm. even two to three days later. Yes. Um, so for me personally, I have seen a direct correlation between dairy and sugar and my anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me to not eat a lot of processed sugar and to cut out dairy of my diet is not restriction it's nourishing my body. Right. Um, because I, it affects how I show up for my family. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it's all about what works for you, what your body needs, what, you know, I can't, I can't eat the same as somebody who doesn't have an autoimmune or somebody who struggles with diabetes can't eat the same as me. So you mm-hmm. have to take that into consideration too. And, and be willing to learn. Yeah, and listen to your body, and be willing to make the hard changes. Yeah, um, our culture very much normalizes feeling bad in a negative way. So anxiety, headaches, stomach issues, um, irritability, lack of sleep—all of those things we just say, "Well, that's normal for your season. You're a young mom. You're not. You're not supposed to have energy all day." Mm. Um, Oh, a little stomach pain here and there. It's just because you ate that. You know, they. it's just normalized. Yeah. When in reality, that's not normal. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing I learned going back to my, my history. Mm-hmm. When I began changing how I ate and truly taking care of my body, I saw that I can feel good mm-hmm. and I can have energy and I can show up and, and feel, quote unquote, normal. Yeah. But like in a really good way. Right, And so I see a lot of, especially just in the season I'm in as 
young moms really struggling with feeling bad and having headaches and not having energy and being very irritable and um, even other things such as like your your sex drive mm-hmm. and hormones mm-hmm. and just overall like how you feel yeah is a really good place to start. Well, that goes back to what we were saying before about how all the different parts of us are interconnected and we can't separate one from the other. Right. Um, each one affects the other. And so if you think of your body as a whole, the way that you're fueling it and what you're putting into it will have some effect on every other part mm-hmm. of it, whether it's the the way that your mind is functioning, the way that your reproductive system is functioning or your you know, lymphatic system or whatever. Right. It's all affected by food. I completely agree with what you're saying. We do have a a lot more power than we think we do to, um, I don't want to use the word heal ourselves, but to, to implement and, and how do I want to say this? To change. Yeah. We have more power than we think we do over our health and the way that we feel. But, and I don't want to use the word, but, and I will push back just a little bit and say, we can feel good if we're being careful and recognizing those connections and we're saying, you know, when I have wine, I feel really pretty crappy the next day because it, it, it triggers a histamine reaction. Mm -hmm. It causes me to not sleep well. I get hot flashes. You know, that's, I'm just telling you my personal experience. I know that I'm not going to feel well if Mm -hmm. I have wine. I just won't. Um, And so we need to be intentional and aware and make those connections and we need to recognize uh, that we aren't always going to feel good all the time. Exactly. Because we live in a fallen world. Right. So I think we need to avoid either extreme. Yes. We need to avoid swinging the pendulum to the to the side that says, oh, it's normal. You should have zero energy because you have three kids. You should have, you know, you're going to have headaches all the time, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah. Well, probably not. There's probably some tweaks right. you could do to help that situation. But, and we also don't want to swing way over here. And just say, I should feel good all the time, Mm -hmm. no matter what. And I should be able to eat my way to just feeling wonderful and having the perfect body all the time. Or, you know, if you're not looking at it from a wellness perspective, what the world will say is take this pill and you will feel all of your problems will go away if you just take this medication and this one and this one and this one. You know, we don't want to face our mortality and we don't want to face the fact that we are going to die one day. (laughs) Um, So I think just finding a balance Mm -hmm. in the middle of those two extremes is a good place to be. Exactly. And so to kind of nerd out in like a scientific way for just a second is there is a very real correlation between gut health and brain health. Mm -hmm. So in in the science world, it's called the gut the gut brain connection. Don't they say that your gut is like your second brain? It's your second brain. Yes. Yes. Okay. So the lining of your gut is is directly correlated with with what your brain is made up of and how you fuel and take care of your gut is going to affect mm. how you think and how you feel and your anxiety and will it disclaimer I'm not saying how you eat is going to heal your depression. Okay, yes, so that's important. that is a whole different conversation. Yes. But it does affect how we feel and how we show up. Mm-hmm. It affects how we think. It affects how we sleep. And so I agree with you. You can't you can't eat your way out of all of these other issues, and you're going to have rough days, and you're going to feel bad, but you also do have some power over 
mm-hmm. over it. And the Lord has given us that stewardship. Yes. And we have to pay attention to it. Um, now, is Jesus still worthy of my worship, even if my health fails? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And even if I do everything right and I still have a day where I feel really bad, yeah. Or if I have a really tough diagnosis, yet I've lived a really healthy life, Jesus is still worthy. Yeah. So I am not proclaiming um, control over that, but I am stewarding what He has given me with the information that I know. Mm-hmm. And so to go back to your original question and to answer where can somebody start or what can they do, you can take care of your gut. And and if you don't have somebody to talk to and you just feel very overwhelmed with all of the different resources, then stop eating sugar. <laughs> it's a really good place to start. And, and you'll realize that is one of the first things that I did is I went 30 days, just do 10 and and look at how much sugar is in yeah. everything that we eat. Mm-hmm. And if you take that out for 10 days and let that be the first step into seeing how you feel and you notice that difference, then mm-hmm. let that be your starting point. And do you have to cut out sugar and everything for the rest of your life? No. But you'll be amazed at a little bit of energy that you more have and how your taste buds change. And just it's a good starting place because it shows you the direct impact of what you eat and how it affects your body. Mm. Wow. And how you don't really realize what you're eating, too. It it makes you think more about what you're eating. Yeah, for sure. So what about dealing with... Most of the people listening to the show are moms and... They have many mouths to feed and and take care of um, every day, three times a day, (laughs) 365 (laughs) days a year. So let's talk about just some practical implementation. We talked about this a little bit on your um, original interview that we did, but let's revisit that and let's just talk about some of the practical ways that you have found that have been helpful for you as a busy mom with three little girls to make wellness in the area of food work for your family? In our home, it has been a, a learning process for me of this balance of how can I implement and teach healthy living to my family and, and feed them well on a budget <laughs> and without going crazy because it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's hard. And it, it is the a little bit more exhausting route yeah. um, because I'm saying no to a lot of the easy, quick, convenient, prepackaged, mm-hmm. convenient things. And those are not bad on occasion. Mm-hmm. I mean, I... It's hard for you, though, because as yes. someone with celiac, right. much of that is already completely off limits to you. It's already off the table. Yeah. It's not even an option. Right. And one of my daughters has food allergies as well. And mm-hmm. so that does help. Because often I'm like, well, that would be kind of nice, but it's not even an option. Yeah. Like we just, we cannot do it. Yeah. Um, so for us, it is a lot of planning. Yes. A lot of prep. Um, I do my best to pick one day out of the week where I kind of prep for the next week so I can stay ahead of it. And I think that's key is mm-hmm. if you are not ahead of it, then you're not going to do it. Right. If you need a quick, convenient thing and it's not available, then you're not you're not going to make it happen right then. Mm-hmm. So prepping, staying ahead of it. Um, I am a big believer in keeping my fridge 
or my freezer and my pantry stocked of quick grab, easy, accessible proteins Mm -hmm. that on a night where I just don't want to cook, I can heat up on the stove, throw a couple of veggies with it, throw some rice, put some mac and cheese if that's, you know, what we want and just piece things together. So I'm not a meal planner. I can't, I cannot like make a bunch of meals on Sunday and have them in the fridge. Yeah. I just don't like leftovers. I don't, and I'm pretty sure I said this last time. Like I am just, I'm not a meal planner. Yeah. But I do a lot of food prep. So I do a lot of cutting up my veggies, washing my fruit, putting it in accessible containers, having some dips to go with it, um, having proteins that are already cooked that I can just heat up if I want to, or Mm -hmm. even just throw in a bowl with some with something. Um, and then for dinner, a lot of our dinners are random pairings of protein and veggies and something else. Mm-hmm. And so there's not a whole lot of like cooking that is taking place. There's some days where I'll, I'll cook a meal, I'll, I'll make some enchiladas or we'll, I'll make a few other things. But for the most part, a lot of it is almost like building bowls, building like yes, you know, you've building got bowls your and plates and base of some cauliflower rice or or whatever. Mm-hmm. I like personally, I like to mix cauliflower and regular rice. Yes, <laughs> I, I you know I I love some good rice. I'm from Louisiana. I have to have rice yes. in my life. <laughs> Listen, it, I will go back carbs like get them into your diet. Yeah. So yeah. mix that rice in there. <laughs> you keep on hand the components to sort of build these healthy meals. Mm-hmm. And that's usually, you know, you've got something kind of maybe starchy, Mm -hmm. um, higher nutritional content, like a sweet potato or something like that. And then you put in lots of veggies Mm -hmm. and some kind of protein. Some kind of protein. And your go-to proteins, we might've talked about this before, but let's, what are some go-to protein ideas? Chicken. Do a lot of chicken, a lot of ground turkey. And you pre-cook it and put it in the freezer? It depends on the week. Okay. Well, so rewind. Yes. I do always have pre-cooked protein in my freezer. Mm-hmm. Um, I always have lots of protein in my freezer. So Costco, and I know other stores have it too, but um, like the pre-cooked chicken sausage yes. and chicken burgers, and there's the a whole, and meatballs, yeah. um, things like that. I always like to have in there. So that way it can just be heated up and eaten real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like my weekly plan and dinners, I don't necessarily cook it if I don't have to, but we just, like you said, we do a lot of bowls. I do a lot of tacos. We do a lot of um, salad. And then like if the kids don't want salad, then I'll just put some chips and guacamole on their plate with some fruit, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm never cooking different things, but it may just look deconstructed. Or a little bit different. <laughs> um, and uh, soups. Soup. This time of year, we do a lot of yeah. soup, a lot of chili. Yeah. Um, kids throw it over some rice. Oh, that's if true. If kids too. don't like soup, then I just kind of throw some rice in there put or some, rice some in noodles. There. If, mm-hmm. it's, um, if you're from Cincinnati, you do eat noodles with your chili. That's, oh. a, that's a thing. Did you know that? I, you know what? Actually, I remember hearing that. Yeah. I still think it's. They serve it over spaghetti. Isn't that crazy? It's actually pretty good if you've never tried it. Yeah. So I guess that makes sense. It's kind of like, mm-hmm. huh. Anyway, so. Fun fact. Yes, fun fact for okay. you. <laughs> but well. I love soup because it makes a ton. Like you said, you can change it up by throwing in some kind of starch in there mm-hmm. and bulk it up a little right. bit or serve it with a salad um, and some kind of bread on the mm-hmm. side, you know. Yeah. And then my biggest tip, I guess, that I have implemented over the last couple of years because I don't like meal planning mm-hmm. and I like food fresh when we have it for dinner. Um, but I don't have 
you don't have to prep at dinner time. And so even if I didn't necessarily prep all the foods on Sundays, like, you know, Tuesday afternoon while the kids are napping, if I have 30 minutes to get everything out, mm. put it all on a tray, do what I need to do, yeah. that way at dinner time, yeah, it can just be thrown in the oven. Or there's a lot of nights where we're out and about for gymnastics or tennis or whatever mm-hmm. it might be, and my husband will get home, he can just throw it in the oven. Yeah. Um, you know, and so just doing things maybe at not the conventional time, but to just think that your later self will thank you for. Yes. We, we don't have to do it all at five o'clock. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think whatever you can do before that before five o'clock. Yes. It's very wise. Right. Um, and even I do that now. I'm not cooking, of course, nearly as much as I used to because there's just two of us. And so even I pretty much cook every night, but it's it's quick stuff. You know, right. it's I'm not doing anything super complicated usually. Um, but I do the whole, like, I always have, always have cut up peppers, mm-hmm. cut up carrots, celery, cucumbers, yeah. um, pretty much all the time. And then I also have radishes because I love to just snack on radishes. Interesting. Yes. And if you've never um, baked or roasted a radish, you need to try that. I will. I, I think never I've, have. I think I've said that before on the show. Roasted radishes, people. You need so, to try this. Listen, noodles in your chili and roasted radishes. So they sweeten it. They, they caramelize because they have the sweetness in the radish will like caramelize. Oh, oh, it's so good. So if you throw those in with some other root vegetables, mm-hmm. some root vegetables um, that like we have a ton of that this time of year, mm-hmm. delicious, wonderful. Try that. Try okay. But because all those things are already cut up, if he's, if it's five o'clock and I've been, you know, busy all day doing housework or working on the podcast or whatever. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it's five o'clock. I haven't done anything. It's really easy to just take out that pre-chopped up stuff and just right. throw together a stir fry or, you know, whatever. Yeah. It It is amazing the difference it makes to not have to peel the carrots and yes. chop all the things. And right. yeah. So. Yeah. And something else that works really well for some people is um, like, by the season or quarter or month or however you want to do it, mm-hmm. making a list of meals that you're going to make. Mm-hmm. You know, so here's 10 meals that I want to make this fall. And yeah. just rotating, like just being okay with making the same things over and over. Mm-hmm. And and it doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to be perfectly creative and curated and all of the things. Um, we love a good snack plate at our house. Oh, you yeah. know, just... A snack meal. A little snack meal. So... Uh, it, I don't know. Ours is very not fancy, but my kids are fed well. They they're happy. They're healthy. You know. I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to win the award for the best put together dinners. Well, they're very uncreative. I mean, but it's they, it's another area that we can that we saddle ourselves or burden ourselves unnecessarily with this performance. You know, especially as homemakers. Well, I'm home all day. I need to, you know, right. dinners should look really elaborate. No, they, no, no. They don't and, need to. and there's an illusion that healthy living and healthy eating has to be difficult mm. and it's, it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. Um, if you're not in the habit and the rhythm, then maybe it is making some adjustments and trying some new things, which there is growing pains with that. Sure. But, um, it doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be. Hard. So it sounds like the most important thing to think about, you know, at the beginning when we started talking about the food, you said nourishment over restriction. Um, and that that requires of us intentionality and planning mm-hmm. and preparation. Mm-hmm. That and, and we need to be, first of all, we have to start from a place of awareness and just paying attention to our bodies. 
you know, what makes us feel good? What makes us feel bad? Maybe keep a journal. Yeah. Write this stuff down. Take some time to really think about that. And if you're also doing this for other family members, for your children, I know a lot of people have children with multiple allergies Mm. and the prevalence of that seems to just be more and more lately. Mm -hmm. I don't, we're not going to get into that and why that is, that's environmental or whatever. Um, It's just a reality. Yeah. And so this is a lot of people's day-to-day reality. They ha- mm-hmm. They're they constantly having to juggle all of those things. Yeah. So I would say for sure, start with just observing. Yeah. Like you're saying, pay attention, keep a record, try to take something out for maybe 10 days and see what happens and then re- reintroduce it. Right. Um, of course, disclaimer, everything we're saying here, you know, we are not medical professionals. Not medical professional. And we're not telling you to, you know, just do this without... If you you need to get your doctor involved, your physician involved, if um, we're talking about health issues for sure. But this is just coming from our own personal experiences is where we're speaking from. And then just being, once you figure that out, then be very intentional about making it a priority for your Mm -hmm. family. And that that might mean making some financial sacrifices, Mm -hmm. um, some sacrifices of time, because generally home-prepared food just takes longer. Yeah. Right? Yeah. (laughs) Um, And... If you buy the healthy versions that are already prepared for you, it just costs, you know, a lot. Costs yes. a lot. Mm-hmm. And for some people, that might be an option. Um, I talk all the time about weighing, weighing the value of time over money. So, right. for if you're in a particular season of life where it's so busy, but your health is a high priority, which we're hoping it will be after mm-hmm. this conversation, um, you might take a month where you do a meal service. Right. And it, you know, what it like the blue apron or the green, all all that stuff, you know, most of those are, you can like specifically pick your, if you have allergies or if you Mm -hmm. have, you know, you need to be gluten-free or whatever it is, you can usually select that and they will send you appropriate meals. Right. So. And that's the thing is that it's, it's making small intentional changes and Mm -hmm. not feeling like overnight you have to completely revamp every habit that you have ever instilled. Um, Cause then you're going to fail and you are going to fail. Like it's right. like you're you're not going to, and you're going to be frustrated and feel defeated. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so pick something and and add it into your daily routine in a way that then it becomes an easier habit, and then add something else in. And so, if that means, like I said earlier, starting with sugar, and then just mm-hmm. just be more aware of that. Yeah. Or maybe it's just picking a meal or picking a snack or something like that. And then just saying, okay, breakfast this week, we're going to start making some changes or I'm going to start re reshifting our pantry snacks. And as you run out of something, then replace it with something better. Mm-hmm. Don't feel like you have to run into your pantry and throw everything away and oh, then come, yeah. you know, this, this episode comes out in January and that is that is the struggle, right? Is that January 1st, everybody's wanting to make changes. Yeah. And then by January 22nd, <laughs> you're you're feeling defeated and frustrated. And yeah. that's because you didn't give yourself a realistic shot. Yes. Um, and so you want to get to March, April, and May and still see some of these habits mm-hmm. in your daily routine. But you have to be willing to do it very slow and steady and intentional if you want it to stick. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's it's more about long-term change and less about, you know, short-term reward if you will. Right. You know, like yeah, I might go on an elimination diet and lose 10 pounds. Right. But 
I can't sustain that no. for and the it long haul. It was a haul. very stressful 30 days exactly. and you were exhausted <laughs> and exactly. you can't you can't do that long term. Yeah, yeah. Well, before we move away from food and talk about movement, um, I want to address um, picky eaters in the house. <laughs> <laughs> if you're already dealing with food allergies and then you might have a picky eater on top of that. You know, what do we what do we do? What do we as moms do in that situation? Or maybe our husband's picky or maybe you're picky. Yeah. Maybe you're the picky one homemaker. That's, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I <clears throat> that's a really hard conversation because a lot's going to play into this how you parent, how you handle your home, expectations, yeah. what you've done up to this point. Right. So you can you can always shift and change and the habits that you have created in your own life and the habits that you have instilled in your home with your kids may not be where you want them now, but it is not a lost cause. Mm-hmm. So even everything we're talking about personal, like personally, your habits, you can change habits within your family and your kids too, but you cannot expect them to do it overnight. Yeah. And that's that's the reality. Yeah. So you have to keep in mind them in that if you're trying to make some changes. Um, With that, I would say when it comes to picky eaters in our home, they exist Mm -hmm. and they, they tell me that they don't want something or that they don't like something. And, and last week they may love something and this week it's their least favorite. And that's, yeah. If I tried to keep up with it, it would be very exhausting. Mm -hmm. Um, So they know that, Pretty standard in our home is you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. <laughs> yep. And if you don't want it and you're hungry, then I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. But if you're hungry enough, then you're going to eat gonna this. Eat. Yeah. And if you don't want to eat it, then you're still going to be respectful about it. Um, I get that that might not work in every home. And there's there's times that it doesn't, quote unquote, work in our home. Yeah. But they also know that there's not another option. Um, Now, I am also very realistic about the fact that they are kids and their dinners may not look the exact same. Sure. I never make them something new, but I may make it look different on a plate. Right. So... um, just You just kind of have to take into consideration that I'm not not totally asking them to to be unrealistic. Um, And I always, always put something on their plate that they love. Yeah. So oh, that's a good. That's even good. if they don't like what I'm having for dinner, then I will put some blueberries on there that I know that they'll get excited about, and mm-hmm. it just seems to lighten the mood a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's not so overwhelming when when they're staring at their plate. <laughs> so I think picky eaters is realistic. I think it's reality, but you have to take in mind the culture of your home and your expect not your expectations. Well, yeah, I do think your expectations, yes, but also like managing your expectations as far as as far as eliciting change, like right habits you've created. So, if up to this point you have let your kid eat whatever they want whenever they want, then you can't expect tomorrow for that to be an easy transition. Yeah, can you start implementing it and and communicate expectations of how it might change or what you want? Yes, but you also need to allow them room for growth. and ultimately, the food conversation in our house, there is a lot of pushback sometimes, but other times um, they know what's expected and they know that it's it's going to be that way. And and ultimately, I try to consistently say, like, we are learning how to fuel our bodies well yeah. and what we eat affects how we feel. Yeah. And we are stewards over the body that God has given us. And there is 
zero shame in what they want to eat versus what I'm giving them or what their preferences are. It's just helping them understand that I want them to feel their best. I want them to sleep their best. I want Mm. them to have good attitudes. And Mm -hmm. if I only let them eat certain things, then that wouldn't, that wouldn't happen. So we don't restrict desserts and sugar and fun things, but it is not something that they eat on a all the time. I like that you've distinguished the fact that you're not shaming them for wanting those things because that's another trap we can fall into is um, like assigning a moral value to food. Right. And saying, oh, that's bad. Yeah. You know, ice cream is bad or right. sugar is bad or yeah. food is food. Yeah. It's not, it doesn't have a moral value. Yeah. Um, and unfortunately, we tend to attach it to ourselves and mm-hmm. say, well, I'm bad. I was bad today. Yeah. Yes. yes. And we still do that as adults. Yes. I was bad today because I ate Whataburger. Right? <laughs> oh, and you just don't realize what that does to you yeah. in an overall demeanor. Yeah. Like, yeah. And so I love that you're training your kids that way. Okay. Well, cool. Thank you for addressing the picky eater. We were the same way, by the way. I would tell my, I'm not a short order cook. No. I'm, I'm not here. I'm not running a diner. This is what I have time to make today. And, you know, you could mm-hmm. eat this or not. You, I'll see you at the next meal. Right. <laughs> And actually, and and also when we finally got a diagnosis for our um, two celiac kids, it was just easier for me to make everything gluten-free. Yes. And so the people in the household who don't have to eat gluten-free, you know, they just needed to understand that we were going to have gluten-free pasta. And I know it's not quite the same. Right. Um, but that was a sacrifice that everybody was willing to make for the most part. And... Um, because I'm not going to make two different kinds of pasta and two right. different of everything. Yeah. Because that's just too much work. <laughs> yes. No. And the whole cross-contamination right. thing. That's um, okay. Well, let's move on and let's talk a little bit about movement and about rest. Um, so movement. You told me that you feel like movement is a balance of discipline with discernment. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? Yeah. So... Again, it's a constant understanding and paying attention to where are getting we where we are getting our messages from. Sure. Um, so we are told that working out, being in the gym, sweating profusely, <laughs> all of the things yeah. is a successful yeah workout. And if you did it today, great. <clears throat> So for me, I've had to learn this balance of discipline over discernment. And personally, that means that I know that movement and working out is necessary for my overall health. Mm -hmm. I know that it is beneficial to my cardiovascular health. I personally makes a big difference in my mental health. So I know these things. And because of that, I I have to make it a priority. Um. And I do. And so there are days that I don't always feel like doing it. Yeah. Personally, I really, really enjoy working out. I love it. I feel great. I enjoy seeing progress of getting stronger, meeting goals. But there are still days that I just don't feel like doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's where discipline comes into play. Of if I if I know that I just don't feel like doing it because I just don't feel like doing it, but I will be better for it than I, and I have the time for it, then I need to make it a priority. Mm -hmm. But discernment comes into play because we are not robots. Yeah. We are human beings with feelings and 
we live in a fallen world with sickness and we have, we're taking care of other humans who are causing exhaustion and lack of sleep and all the things. And I have to discern if working out and moving my body is the best thing for me that day. Mm-hmm. And so while it is a discipline that I instill and I have a good routine and rhythm that I do, there is also discernment of if that is not my best yes for today, or if I truly just don't have time because of sickness or kids schedules or whatever it might be, mm-hmm. I have to pay attention to that. And so I can't risk the overall peace in my home because I'm 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 I have to work out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, but if also if I used the excuse of my schedule every single day, right. then I I would never work out. Right. So how do you find that balance, right? Mm-hmm. Um <clears throat> so for me, I really enjoy strength training. I enjoy cardio and and being outside. Um, And so I make it a discipline most days of the week, but there are some days where my body just feels tired and I know it's not the best thing for me. And so just getting outside and moving my body in some way that is refreshing and life-giving is what I prioritize. And it may not look exactly how I want it to, but it is better for my overall health. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think movement is going to look different for everybody. Some people really enjoy workout classes. Some people really enjoy videos. Some people enjoy strength training. Some people enjoy cardio. Um, I think you need to find something that you enjoy, find something that makes you feel good um, and do it out of a celebration uh, and freedom of these bodies that God has given us and not out of a punishment because of something you ate mm-hmm. or because you haven't worked out in a couple weeks yes. or whatever it may be. If you're coming from a posture and a place of punishment, then you're missing the whole point of why you should be moving your body in the first place. Yeah. That's a really great point. I think many of us have operated from that. It kind of mm-hmm. goes along with the same thing of what I just said about I was bad today. I was bad. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm attaching a moral value to my food choices and saying that that has made me bad. Um, therefore, I must punish myself by running for five miles or whatever. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I think if you ever want to get to a place where you actually enjoy moving your body, um, then you have to detach the punishment from it. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of times people say, I just don't enjoy working out. I don't enjoy running. I don't, I don't like it. It's not fun. And I think it's, it's because we have been inundated with this message that you're doing it because of something that you ate or something that you did or mm-hmm. because your pants are a little tighter after the holidays, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, you know what I hate? I hate those charts that show you like the bowl of ice cream. You have to run oh, for this many minutes gosh, to work yes. off this. And there's like a whole list of, you know, quote unquote bad foods that. Right. And then the equivalent of what you have to do to work it off. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, I'm sorry, that's just not how it works. Like, <laughs> that's where the whole lifestyle comes into play, right? Yes. Is it's, it's it's daily decisions, it's daily habits, it is a lifestyle that you're building, and especially this time of year when there are new goals and new habits that you are probably going to get to the end of January and still not feel like you're exactly wanting to feel, but that doesn't mean that you have failed. Like, if you mm-hmm. are showing up... Um, it takes months. Yeah, it to takes see results. It takes years sometimes. Yes, you know? and you have to be okay with that if you're wanting to do it in a healthy way. Yeah. Um, so, working out, moving your body, it is realistic to enjoy it. 
and and get to a place where it's something that you look forward to and something that you crave. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to work through the discipline and shifting your mindset of of not punishing yourself. Yeah. And I love that you pointed out knowing when it's time to, you know, skip the workout that day or maybe just go outside and um, walk around the block with mm-hmm. your girls. And that's yeah. plenty of movement for that day because, yeah. because God is calling you to rest right. that day for whatever reason. Yes. And I want to talk a little bit about rest and why it's necessary. Um, because we've had this whole conversation about health and wellness and all the things that we can do. But if we don't start from a place of resting in what Christ has already done, mm. then none of this matters at all. Right. None of it matters. Nope. So how have you found rest to be a crucial part of your wellness journey? I tend to be very goal-oriented, very much a striver. Um, I feel best when I am working towards something specific and I get there. Um, I work. I like to work towards goals. I like to, to do all of the things, to check the boxes yeah. and to have control over, over where I'm at. And mm-hmm. if I work harder, then I can get there. Yeah. <laughs> and so the Lord has really been gracious but persistent in, in teaching me about rest and that it's not up to me. Mm-hmm. And yes, I can work hard for goals and yes, I can get there and yes, I can hustle and <clears throat> check all the boxes, but I can hold really, really tight to control and I can do all of the right things, but I still live in a very broken, fallen world. Yeah. And I, at the end of the day, I don't want to be responsible for my own comfort because I can't be. <laughs> and that's what he's been teaching me lately is I can do all the right things. I can meet all the goals. I can check the boxes. I can work really, really hard. But at the end of it, yeah, maybe I feel good for for getting there, mm-hmm. but I completely missed the point. Mm-hmm. And so that's where rest comes into play because it is a very physical reminder of our surrender that we we are, it's not about us. Yeah. And we're not capable mm-hmm. of ever making it about us. Mm-hmm. We can we can find these temporary satisfactions. We can we can pursue the temporary things. But by me choosing to rest in a very physical sense is is me surrendering to the Lord the work that He has already done. Yeah. That we know the end of the story. Mm-hmm. And and I have nothing to do with that. Yes. Um and it's a a consistent and constant message in the Bible. I was I was reading yesterday and it I read somewhere that it is mentioned over 250 times in the Bible. Really? Yes. It actually said 257, but I'm not 100% confident on that. Okay. Um <laughs> I didn't do enough research to know like the exact number, but I do know that it is over 250 times in the Bible and that means that it's an important message. Yeah. And we need to pay attention to that. Yeah. Um so it's obvious just based off of that that God didn't intend for our lives to be filled with the busyness and the striving and the self-sufficiency. Um, his design for rest is that we remember our our reliance on Him. Yeah. And and so when we choose to rest, we're choosing to 
to rely on him and mm-hmm. in a way for sometimes for me that feels very uncomfortable. Um, I've heard um, Jen Wilkin, who's a really great Bible teacher and author, and she's written a couple books um, on the attributes of God. Mm-hmm. And she has talked about it this way, and she said, rest is our recognition that where we say to God, I'm limited. Mm-hmm. It's our agreement to live within our limits. Yeah. You know, God is unlimited. Um, we are not. <laughs> God is limitless in all, in everything. And, and, and he's all we need, right? <laughs> he has completely given us everything we need and he is sufficient for, for all of our needs. But we could easily, in, in all the things we've talked about today, we could easily get wrapped up in trying to control all the outcomes and trying to do all the right things and grow all our own food and make everything from scratch. And, you know, again, that's just us striving and Mm. grasping at control and trying to live outside of our limits. Right. You know, and God has said, no, you you are limited. You can't do it all. You have to rest. That's the way I've designed it. And I love that you said it's a very physical picture of our surrendering to him. And he's told us to do it like every week. Right. Yes. <laughs> and every day we have to yes. go to sleep. Yes. It's a daily reminder of mm-hmm. that surrender mm-hmm. to him. Yeah, it is. And and again, it kind of goes back to the conversation that we had at the beginning about self-care mm-hmm. is that there's a very construed view of what rest is. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, our rest should draw us near to the heart of the Lord. Yes. And so if I'm doing something that draws me to the heart of God, then I can find rest in that. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't have to look a certain way. It doesn't have to be laying horizontal on a bed with your eyes closed <laughs> during the day. You know, like, right. <laughs> but if, if a nap is what you need, then that's fine. Yeah. Um, but I think often it's like, well, I, I binge watched four hours of TV today, so I rested. <laughs> It's like, but I didn't because I'm not walking away refreshed or, <laughs> or closer to or the heart of God. The Lord. <laughs> and again, not that like having hobbies and things that you enjoy is a bad thing, but I think to find true life-giving, God-honoring rest, mm-hmm. you have to be intentional about it. And that's the whole point of the TV joke is you have to be intentional. Yeah. Um, the enemy can be very quick to make you believe that you're quote unquote resting. Mm-hmm. Um, but in reality, you're not getting the true spiritual nurturing and rest mm-hmm. that God intends for us to have to carry on this work that he has called us to do. Right. And so for me, going on a walk outside is restful. Mm-hmm. It is. It's yeah, cutting out the noise. It's a form of worship for me. It's being outdoors. Um, and so things like that can be rest. Yes. Kind of stepping away from your norm, yes. the hustle and the noise. It reminds me, and this has come to my mind a lot today in our conversation, is the Mary and Martha story. Um, because, you know, if you're familiar with that story mm-hmm. from from Luke, I think it's chapter 11, um, you've got Martha busy, 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 probably making nutritious meals in the kitchen (laughs) for all these disciples of Jesus and everybody that's at her house. And she gets all upset with her sister, you know, because her sister Mary is just sitting at Jesus's feet Mm. in his presence and just soaking it all up. And, you know, she comes to Jesus, Lord, tell her to help me. 
all been out of shape. And I think Martha gets such a bad rap. I, I Martha, I'm a Martha, but I'm a Martha. Yeah, I love what he says to her um, in a particular translation because you've said several times, "Is this is this the best? Mm. Is this the best for me right now? Is this God's best for me right now?" And he says to her, "You know, Martha, Martha, you're concerned over many things, but Mary has chosen the better part." Mm. There's another translation that says she has chosen the needful part mm. and it will not be taken from her. And that's the the serving is awesome. Right. We all do that every day in our homes. But if we don't spend that needful part, if we don't do that first of resting at his feet and just sitting in his presence, we can't do any of this other stuff. Right. Um, and I think when we're talking about our wellness, our health, our, our overall well-being, and I use the word flourishing at the mm-hmm. beginning because Jesus said, I've come that they might have life and have it abundantly. So that doesn't just mean an abundant life in heaven when we die. That means right now. Right. And to flourish and have abundant life involves the whole man, body, soul, spirit, mm-hmm. and, and mind. And... um it involves being very intentional at starting from a place of rest right? at his feet mm-hmm. and choosing, asking him, what is your best f- for me today? Yeah. What's the best out of all the good and the, and the good options that we have? And what's the better part? What's the needful part? Yeah. With every decision, really, we should be asking that question of him. Yeah. So, okay. Do you have any other thoughts? Are we thought, are we worded out? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I could talk all day. It's fine. <laughs> I know, and it's getting late. Okay. Well, this has been a very stimulating conversation, and we probably could talk for another hour, but um, I, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us and encourage, and I love what you're doing with Simply Sweet Wellness, and we will put all those links so everybody can find you, and if you have questions, you know, we danced around a couple of things here today, but if you have something specific, mm. um, I know Leslie would love for you to reach out to her, DM her on yeah. Instagram, and Um, She can talk personally to you about some of those things. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It was so fun. Thank you so much for listening today to this deep dive into wellness in the home. I hope you're walking away with some food for thought and some encouragement to love God with your whole being by taking care of your whole being according to what God says is good for you. We covered a lot of ground today. So here's a little recap and some top takeaways. First, We established the biggest differences between God's definition and the world's definition of wellness. God is more concerned with how we look on the inside, while the world's standards of wellness are very much defined by our outward results and outward appearances. God has clearly shown what a flourishing human life looks like, and that is to love Him with all parts of our being, heart, soul, mind, and body, and to love others as ourselves. We are responsible for cultivating our mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical health in cooperation with the Holy Spirit, working in us to honor God with our body. When it comes to self-care, just remember to order your loves rightly and check your motives. Are you practicing self-care as a stewardship of your body to honor God or out of a sense of entitlement? or maybe a desire to escape from the demands of God's calling on your life. Self-care has its place. Make sure it stays there. Cultivating God-centered wellness directly impacts our homemaking. Our health, or lack of it, in each of these four areas affects how we show up in our role as a homemaker every single day. We can show up in exhaustion, control, anger, 
bitterness, fear, or we can show up with an attitude of surrender, faithfulness, love, teachability, kindness to ourselves and to others, and gratitude for the gift of life and a body made in the image of God in which to live that life. When it comes to food, movement, and rest, remember, food is about nourishment over restriction. Movement is about balancing the discipline of hard work with the discernment of knowing what's best for your body and having a posture of celebration in your movement rather than a posture of punishment for your food choices. Rest is the most important component of this equation. Rest is a gift from a good God. And when we enter into regular periods of rest, we are agreeing with God that we're limited and that our limits are signposts pointing us to the only one who is limitless and who delights to give us what we need to accomplish what he's called us to. So rest in him and what he has already done for you so that you can love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and body. So I mentioned at the beginning that we created a daily habit tracker for you guys. It's going to track your habits in those three areas we focused on today, food, movement, and rest for one week. It's a one-page PDF download. You can print out as many copies as you want. And it's divided up into those three areas with some subheadings under each of the areas. So the top says food. That's your first area. And it has a reminder next to the word food. It says nourishment over restriction. That's what Leslie talked about continually throughout our, our discussion on food. We want to be focusing on asking the question, did we nourish our bodies with our breakfast, with our lunch, with our dinner, with our snacks? And so there's a place for you to mark all of those off for each of the days of the week or not so that you can go back at the end of the week and you can see where you're not doing so great. Maybe you did awesome at dinner, but you kind of fell off the wagon for your snacks or for your breakfast, whatever it is. It helps you to see patterns in your behavior. The next section is movement. And the reminder there is celebrate, don't punish. And then there are six line items underneath. And with each of those, you would just record for that day of the week, whether or not you did it. Enjoyed moving, moved for 30 minutes or more, felt refreshed afterward, felt stronger, looked forward to it and got outside. And so you can, at the end of the week, you can go back and you can see, gosh, three out of the seven days, I really enjoyed the movement or four out of the seven days, I really was not looking forward to the movement, but hey, three out of the seven I was. So that's a really helpful tool to reflect back on at the end of the week. And then finally, we have the section on rest. And the reminder there is to live within your limits. And you have below that heading four different things that you can track. Did you get six to eight hours of sleep each day? Did you take at least one daily break? Did you stop working at the end of the day? We've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before that we need to, particularly as homemakers, we need to have a time during the day where we say, okay, I'm off duty, right? Of course, there's things that are going to demand our attention. Like if you've got to bathe your children and put them to bed, (laughs) or you need to finish up dinner and, you know, wash the dishes and, and get your kitchen all cleaned up for the night. But 
you're not going to continue to do laundry. You're not going to continue to just finish that one last project and just keep going, keep going until you fall exhausted into bed. But just give yourself a little bit of time in the evening when you're off the clock. So that's what that prompt is all about. And then the last one under rest is weekly Sabbath. Are you taking a day during the week to really disconnect, really just not be working, whatever that looks like for you, restful, full day of rest. And that's a whole other topic for a whole nother day. We didn't have time to cover that more in depth um, today. And hopefully we can get to that in the future. But it is a good idea to have a regular weekly time of Sabbath where you just rest, you spend time with family, you celebrate what God has done, and you worship Him. That could be on a Sunday, but it could also be on a Monday or a Tuesday or any day. It just depends on what works for you and your family. I hope this is a helpful resource. And again, it's free. Just go down to the link in the show notes and click that or go to the artofhomepodcast.com slash wellness. Before we close this episode, let me quickly update you on the show's Instagram account. I've run into multiple issues with glitches and unfriendly algorithms and unhelpful features lately, and I've decided to pull back from creating as much content over there. While I love to connect with you all through comments and DMs and stories, it's hard to justify spending so much time and energy, and it takes a lot of time and energy, on a platform that keeps changing the rules of engagement, making it harder and harder to be seen by you guys, much less connect with you. I will still post new episode announcements and guest quotes and guest tips over there, but you will see less of me on stories and fewer reels. However, this frees me up to put my time and energy into episode production, the newsletter, the website, and tangible resources like our Advent devotional and the J.R. Miller study guide that we put out last summer. I'm working on a total revamp of the website and the blog that will be revealed with our new logo design during our second birthday celebration this March. I'm really excited to share all of that with you, so stay tuned. Even though I'll be spending less time on Instagram, we can still chat through good old-fashioned email and voicemail. Go to theartofhomepodcast.com slash contact to start a conversation. And as a final reminder, if you haven't already, go sign up for our weekly newsletter, Homemaker Happy Mail. It goes out every Friday morning during regular seasons. So that means this Friday morning. So make sure you do that today. Click the link below or go to theartofhomepodcast.com slash subscribe. That's all for this week's episode. I will be back next week with another deep dive into the sacred waters of marital intimacy. Yes, we are going to go there. I will be joined by my two friends, Sandy Goforth and Gwen Cunningham, both seasoned homemakers who I have interviewed on the podcast in the past. It is a frank, challenging, and encouraging conversation. You don't want to miss it. Until then, keep practicing your art of making a home. Okay, let me think about what I, how I'm gonna I'm gonna say this. <laughs> well, I don't even know how I'm gonna introduce this episode. You're making me feel a little better if I'm being honest. <laughs> okay. I don't know why I'm flustered this morning. Like, okay. I'm not nervous, but I'm just like it's the enemy. I know it's the enemy. It so totally it's like, is. You feeling that way is a reminder that it's the enemy, and I'm like, okay, we got this. We got it. We got it. well, God's got it yeah, for sure. We don't have it. But the Lord has a purpose in this conversation, obviously. <laughs> okay. The, the kind of, the, the scripture that I kind of fall back onto and that kind of motivates my heart in it um, is when God says, love the Lord your God. Mm. Sorry. God. That's okay. Jesus said it. Thank you. But Jesus is God. So it's, I know. But it's... Sorry. Right. <laughs>
Okay. Do you want me to start all that over? No. No. Just okay. say when Jesus. Just, Je- just say when Jesus says. <laughs> Most people probably wouldn't even like. No. <laughs> I'm gonna have so much for the blooper roll right? on this one. <laughs> it's gonna be awesome. <laughs> I promise I am competent. Okay. <laughs> Press record. That's that would be good if we're recording. Okay. Oh, that's my worst nightmare ever. Like. I don't know if you're talking in there or not. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm talking to you. That's my worst nightmare is that somehow I didn't press record or it didn't. That's why I always pray over the technology or that it just gets lost somewhere. I, you know, oh my gosh, I can't imagine having to be like, um, can we do that over? <laughs> it's really like a trial. <laughs> Obviously the Lord wanted us to say something that was not said. <laughs> yeah, that's terrifying. <laughs> Technology's scary. It is, but it's it's been a gift in this instance and so yes. I just treat it with great respect. <laughs> <laughs> Saying all good things right now. <laughs>